0: Nostalgic Movie Review from Nerdy Well, hello,
1: everybody Hello, welcome back to New Nostalgic Movie Reviews I'm David
0: And I'm Stephen And today's episode, we have the movie Nope uh, This is Jordan Peele's new movie It's 2022 was the release uh, It's rated R, it's 2 hours and 10 minutes long And the synopsis is The Residence of a Lonely Gulch in... Inland California bears witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery.
1: And uh, top cast in this movie, we got Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Kiki Palmer, Brandon Perea, Michael Wincock, and Stephen U.N., and Keith David.
0: Yes. Yeah, this movie is just awesome. Jordan Peele does it again. Uh, I... I I love this movie um, and this movie is one of those movies every one of Jordan Peele's movies is the exact same way multiple watches of Jordan Peele movies really do it justice mm-hmm. um, I think because the second time I watched it was actually the time we watched it with you so watching it that second time me and Jen kept on looking at each other throughout the movie like oh my god do do you see this now? Do you get what this means now? Like they were really like foreshadowing like this the entire time. Like there's so many tiny little details that I didn't notice until the second time watching it that I was like, I need to watch it again a third time just to see if I can find even more because there's so many details in this.
1: Yeah. And I love how, uh, from what I've noticed Jordan Peele's movies, each one kind of feels like its own different genre. Like get out was kind of like this, uh, horror movie kind of thoughtful movie uh us was kind of like a slasher movie and then there's this one that is it's n- not really even a horror movie it's more of a thriller sci-fi movie
0: yeah and it's it's very interesting too because it, it just takes a lot of like different approaches to thing and it still does have some like subtle uh stuff about racism every one of his films has some subtle hints about racism some of them aren't so subtle especially in get out that one was mainly about racism but like there's a lot of really cool things that jordan peele says with his movies and the way that um everything in this movie is about camera lenses and the things that people will do for cameras and the shot and it's it's an interesting movie
1: and i feel like one of the main points that jordan peele is going for with this movie is the idea of exploitation in order to make money and a lot of it having to do with uh using animals to make money Mm -hmm. and oh i think this movie does a really good job of just having a balance of like seriousness and then it sprinkles in its humor throughout like it's not just a flat out you know unnecessary comedy within a movie Mm -hmm. it's there's it's a very serious, thoughtful movie. And throughout, there are some lighthearted moments that kind of help bring it up a little. But it's a really good balance.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, like some of the humor in this movie and what well, and one of the, the the relationship I love the most, obviously, is with the two leads, the brother and sister. And they're kind of a strange brother and sisters. The brother took over the family business. The sister won on and she's trying to do 18 different businesses all at once she's a side hustler for sure uh she's very energetic personality and she's more way more of a people person than uh daniel kalua's character is and it's the dynamic between those two is so great and like they seemed really strained at the beginning of the movie but the more and more they're working on this shared project together the more and more they get together and like there's even that scene we'll talk about later when they're like Doing the like secret little handshake to each other where they're just like smacking each other's hands like six times, and they're like, ha, 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 Yeah, and they get pumped and psyched together. Like, it's really cool to just watch their relationship build and build and build, and like notice things from their past and their future and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and I think all of the people in this movie, especially the two lead roles, but a lot of the main, like, the small group of people that are kind of heading this movie are they're all competent actors and they all just keep you engaged. And uh, they all have these really cool quirks about them that draw you in. Mm.
0: I mean, Steven Yen's character, he's so unique and a lot of his stories in this are super weird and unique, but I love the way that they tell his story and the way that he showed everything and all the details with him and how he was a child actor who had this crazy thing happen on a show. And the the show basically also uh, circles around the concept of bad miracles, something that you can't explain why this certain thing happened, but it's in negative connotation and it's like a bad omen. But your eye fixates onto that bad miracle or like in this instance is with a what the the main first thing we get the introduction of bad miracles is with this uh, ballet shoe that's just standing upright in the middle of this chaotic scene with an animal. Uh, I'll we'll go on more into that in the story, but it's it's a really interesting scene.
1: Yeah, and kind of the idea of that shoe that I was thinking of is like you know is it just an unexplained thing that happened that the shoe happened to be standing yep. up or. Is that the way that Steve Huen's character remembers it? You know, it is it something he fixated on in that situation that kind of stuck with him? And maybe the shoe wasn't standing up and just he saw he remembers it that way. Or maybe it actually was standing up, but we'll bring it up more later because it's very spoilery. This this whole movie just does such a great job of keeping you sucked into the TV. It's like you're just intrigued and curious the whole time and just it's insane.
0: The thing I loved about this too is like uh, a lot of times with trailers we get revealed too much or we get too much of the movie or we get some things that like were supposed to be kind of twists later on in the movie that aren't twist um because we knew about them in the trailer, but this one like I thought it was showing too much every time I watched a new trailer for this, especially like when they were showing that uh, uh, that lady during the announcement thing that Steven Yin was doing talking about this like awesome show and her like veil gets lifted up and she's uh, got a deformed face. And I thought that her character was going to be an alien and this was going to be an alien film. And I was pleasantly surprised to be completely wrong on everything they showed in the trailer and nothing from the way the trailer was actually like showcased
1: anything in the movie. Yeah, I felt the same way. I thought that at first the trailer was giving way too much away, showing a a ship and stuff. And yeah, it's it's nice that it really wasn't yep. giving it away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess back with the whole exploitation theme, like it really dives in with this uh, people having the idea, this obsession with watching things that you probably shouldn't be watching but you're just Mm -hmm. so curious you keep watching and you just have you know people have that drive to just keep investigating into things it really dives into that but uh yeah i guess one of the negative things i'll say about this movie it it really does take its time to get things going like the beginning is fairly slow it is intriguing like i said but it does Take quite a bit for the movie to feel like we're actually getting somewhere.
0: Yeah, I I, I will have to agree with that. There is a little bit of like setup and slower pace with this. And the movie doesn't actually get into what this movie is going to be about until about 30, 35, 40 minutes into the movie where everyone actually is finally like on the same page of we need to try to go after this thing.
1: Yeah, I really like, I find it really interesting how the movie focuses. It doesn't give you answers flat out, even by the end of the movie. Like, it Mm -hmm. never really dives deep explaining into what really is going on. The movie feels very theme focused and it keeps things ambiguous to make it even more effective. And it does a really great job with that. Like, I think this movie does well with the whole less is more and... uh, you know, showing instead of telling, Mm -hmm. I think it does a really good job at that. It doesn't flat out just spit in your face. Here's what's happening. It just lets you think.
0: Yeah. This movie does a lot with cameras that is really, really good for uh, filmography buffs. Uh, This movie was actually the first ever horror movie to be filmed with IMAX cameras. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) But most of the time with a lot of horror movies, you don't want the best, most impressive quality in these movies because you want it to look grungy you want it to look dirty you want it to look like a real camera like especially if i found footage and stuff like that but a lot of times you want it to look uh darker and grungier so doing it with this many pixels and this bright and this everything like this is a horror movie that's very very visually like stunning and bright this is one of the brightest horror movies you'll ever watch
1: i i truly believe that this movie is not even i wouldn't even classify it as yeah. a horror movie. I, it's more of a sci-fi thriller than a horror movie.
0: And like, I, I will agree with you that. Don't go in.
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't go in thinking it's a horror movie because you will be disappointed if you're waiting for horror-esque there's a f- There's a
0: few horror elements <laughs> that are pretty yeah. nice and pretty, like, eerie and scary in this movie. But besides that, there's not much that's, like, there's no jump scare. Well, there's, like, a jump scare or two. But there's like very little like actual scares in this movie. It's more like you said, uh, thoughts that go through your head like, oh, this is crazy. Like, what would I do in this situation? (laughs) This is weird. So um, what do you think about the film overall? How would you rate this movie?
1: I think this is a very solid movie. Uh, I can't wait to watch it again so I can just learn more. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to get so much more on second, third, fourth re-watches. you know. So I think it's definitely worth the watch. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly even a buy. I, But I, I think it's definitely like you have to at least watch it once.
0: Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, this movie is definitely <sighs> – this is hard because like I love this movie so much that I would buy it, but I don't have it yet. And I might wait for a sale for it. Um, but I don't know if I'll like buy it full price or anything. But this is a movie that I've watched multiple times now. I'm excited to watch it a third time. Um, it's probably a movie I'm going to watch three or four times. Just like every one of other his other movies. Especially Get Out. Uh, I think this one is if you liked get out this one is on par with get out i wouldn't say it's better or worse it's too different to say i still think i like get out more but i will say this one is right up there with it and i think it's a lot better than us
1: yeah so uh i guess uh what are we looking at next week i didn't even i think it was invisible man if i remember right that's right yeah so next week we are looking at the invisible man uh i think it's the one for like 2018 yeah or
0: something like that yeah can't wait for that <laughs> so
1: yeah check it out and we'll see you then yeah. with that what we got next
0: um so also this week i wanted to bring up a couple of movies that i watched this week uh just other random types i had a uh, a movie day actually with a our other brother, Michael, um, and my wife, Jen. So we actually watched the two movies that we watched were Psycho Goreman and Wreck. Uh, I have to highly recommend both of these movies if you're a horror movie fan. Um, Psycho Goreman is a horror horror comedy where a 12-year-old girl finds this amulet that controls this uh, alien demonic being that he's got all these crazy psionic powers and can... Pretty much anything happened, and he just loves destroying worlds and people and killing as much and as gr- uh, violently as possible. And it It is a very violent and gory movie, and with a kid controlling this premise, it is so hilarious, and I could not stop laughing the entire movie. Um, and then Wreck, um, it's a Spanish zombie movie set in a uh, apartment building, and my God, did that feel like one of the most real zombie depiction movies i've ever seen it is insanely good there is a american remake called quarantine that i heard is actually a really good remake so if you don't want to watch a movie with subtitles at least watch the remake but i would definitely say that movie is incredible Um, those are those and uh let's go ahead and get into the spoilers then
1: spoilers all right so we we open up the movie with this horrific scene where a frightening confused animal is pushed beyond its limits and it's this it's this scene of a tv show made in like the 90s or something mm-hmm. and this balloon popped and this monkey goes crazy yeah and starts attacking everyone and kills almost everyone there but uh it's a good example of uh, you know this kid survived, but later on we learn this is a good example of how like a survivor of a tragedy exploits that tragedy, you know, as like a cheap sideshow yeah. to kind of make more money in the future.
0: Yeah, and his character does that with just a lot in this movie, um, and once we watch the kind of that opening scene, I think that's where it jumps into uh, Daniel Kalu's character uh, talking to some Hollywood execs on a site where they're going to be filming a commercial. If I remember right.
1: Uh, I think right before that we cut to him talking to his dad. Oh
0: right? yeah. 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 You're right. Sorry.
1: So yeah, the character, uh, his name is OJ, the main character. He's talking to his dad, Otis um, kind of finishing up for the day. They owned this horse ranch and what they do is they provide horses for movies to do stunt work with horses mm-hmm. So they're talking and bringing things in and he's talking to his dad and as he's walking up to the house, uh, he just hears things start hitting the ground and he turns around and he sees the dad on his horse walking away and his dad is kind of slumped over, falls off the horse.
0: Yep, and he's driving to the hospital, there's blood everywhere and find out that a, was it a nickel? I think it was, had uh, fell and pierced through the dad's skull and actually killed him.
1: Yeah, went, like, through his eye mm-hmm. and into his brain and killed him. And there was even, like, there's, a like, a house key that was stuck in the horse's hind leg. Yeah. Uh, just to get the horse survived, but the the dad unfortunately passed. And then uh, after that scene, it cuts to O.J. at this film area yeah. in front of a green screen with a horse. And he's about to introduce himself and the horse because... Uh, it's a for a stunt for a movie
0: and And i I want to bring up too when we're talking about that um the medical staff ended up saying that it was probably a prop plane overhead that accidentally dropped some stuff like out of their pockets so that's why it was like a key and change and stuff like that and that's how it was explained in the movie so yeah
1: like a something fell out of a plane Yeah,
0: weird freak accident in a prop plane that's that's the way it was uh Said, but yeah, we get back to the shooting. Otis is waiting for his sister to get there because she's the one who does the safety speeches and kind of announces who they are and what they do. And he is not a people person at all, and he doesn't know how to talk to these people. These people are kind of just wanting, like, you do this, you do that, you do this, and he's like, I have certain things that I have to do with the horse. Don't look at him straight in the eye. Don't look at this. Don't do that. Like, you can really. Like mess up the horse and the horse could get violent and kick someone or attack someone if you don't listen to my rules and he's very like wanting to be as safe as possible because he doesn't want anyone to get hurt but no one's like really paying attention to him or wanting to care and they're like where's the dad and oh the dad had died oh shit
1: really so oj really cares about getting the job done safely and correctly and as he starts introducing everything finally his sister kiki palmer shows up the sister's name is emerald Mm -hmm. and i gotta say she every scene she is in she steals it she does such an amazing job
0: she's so charismatic she's so energetic she's so just powerful in the way that she does things and i i love her intro speech that she does here it's so fantastic
1: yeah she gives this great speech introducing herself her brother and the horse and their company and then she ends up, you know, mentioning her, some of her other companies that she's working with, uh, you know, promoting herself. But they uh, they go to get started with the horse. And first thing they do is people, some people are standing right behind the horse. And someone runs up in front of the horse with this film, like, chrome ball thing. Yeah. That shows the horse's reflection right in his face. And the horse kind of freaks out and kicks and doesn't kick someone behind them, but kicks something they're holding and freaks them out.
0: Yeah. They end up... Uh the main actress freaks out and they don't want to work with a live horse anymore. So then they bring in a, 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 a prop to do a CG horse Woo. and kick him off the set. And do I, do I still get paid for this? Blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, no, 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 like, Just get out of here. Like they just shooing him off basically.
1: Yeah. So they go back to their ranch and, uh, you know, they kind of have a little argument about everything. And OJ's mad that Emerald was promoting her other businesses and stuff, but they end up going, to Steven Yuan's character, whose name is Ricky Joop, and uh, he owns this kind of sideshow carnival place. It's like a cowboy carnival. Yeah. Um, and they go there because he is selling ricky hit the horses from their yeah. farm to be able to survive basically
0: his horse the horse business is really going downhill since his dad uh isn't there anymore and he's been having to sell some of the horses to make ends meet to keep the ranch afloat and the sister kind of gets that knowledge throughout these meeting with uh Stephen's character and like, oh, like, what are you planning? Are you well? I'm planning on buying back the horses as soon as I can, but right now it's kind of like he's kind of like pawning the horses to him with the intention that he wants to buy them back. But Stephen Yen, it's not really, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally, we can buy them back, but he's kind of being weird and we don't really know why.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's what he ends up doing with the horses, we'll find out later. But uh, while they're selling stuff, uh, Emerald's walking around their office mm-hmm. while they're making this deal and ends up pointing out, um, A poster that is dealing with Gordy the chimp, which is the one from the beginning of the movie that freaked out and attacked everyone on that set. We find out that Ricky is the kid that survived that incident. Mm -hmm. Um he he and one other survivor, basically.
0: Yeah, and he has an entire like room hidden in his office dealing with all the memorabilia from that. And uh he has like that shoe that we brought up earlier and he talks about like oh you don't you didn't hear what happened did you not see the SNL skit about it it was actually really good the way they did it it was pretty perfect to the way it actually was and they like bring up like the the mad TV did uh, a magazine cover about it and he has like all these different things and he's talking about how this this European couple paid like I can't I can't remember if it was like four thousand or forty thousand or whatever to like stay in that room for a night and he's like I don't even know what they did in there and I don't care
1: (laughs) So and uh, just kind of a kind of a side note throughout the movie, um, I brought up Gordy because we we keep getting these like title cards and segments of the movie that are different names. And each name or each word is actually a name of uh, an animal that is exploited throughout either the movie or throughout history. But yeah, they continue going. He tells the whole backstory of what happened on that movie set with the exploding balloon. And it freaked out the animal enough to send him off into this fit of madness. And then, you know, they end up leaving and going back to the house.
0: Yep. And, um, she's talking about like, wanting to do something or hang out or blah, blah. blah. And he's like, I've got to get stuff ready for work tomorrow. I don't want to stay up late, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, uh, they, they just have kind of these like weird interactions with each other and like talking about their dad and talking about the ranch. And he's like, well, I don't want you deciding anything because you haven't even been around and these kind of things. And like, where have you been? Like, what have you been doing? Like, you want to come up here and tell me how to run the horse business now? And like, we're not getting the business we were getting. We're not getting jobs like we did with. Uh, oh, what was the, the Scorpion King was the one they keep bringing up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then they notice, like, some weird things start happening, like, throughout the house, they have sections where, like, the power kind of flickers and goes out for times Mm and uh, something ends up getting into their barn and they're not sure what it is. Mm -hmm. So they go in to, like, take pictures and they realize that, you know, like, these these very (laughs) alien-like figures show up.
0: Yeah. This was a really interesting scene, too, because, like, these... This was so unexpected to see like these aliens heads like keep popping out and they look like kind of like a uh, young kid height and you're just like what are these things and they're being really creepy and they like keep poking their heads up and putting them back in and then like walking up slowly to him and he's like trying to like film them thinking they're actually aliens or something <laughs> and then he he gets jump scared by one of them and punches it in the face and then takes off their mask and it's uh jupes kids
1: <laughs> yeah it's a bunch of kids from the carnival Trying to mess around because they believe aliens are real, but they're trying to mess with them. Mm-hmm. It's
0: such a weird scene, but this is one of the scenes that kind of has like the horror elements where you're like, you don't know what's going on at first, and you're like, "Oh, this is actually like kind of creepy." <laughs> well,
1: and they they kind of trick the audience with thinking that there are actual aliens. And I mean, aside from like the hairy like monkey-esque bodies of the alien costumes they're wearing. The heads do look like the typical big gray alien heads with the big eyes. Yep. And, you know, classic alien, you know. Um, I was going to say, after that, they end up uh, deciding to try to figure out what's going on. And, you know, weird thing, other things keep happening. So they decide to go get some uh, updated cameras for their... Branch to kind of try to catch whatever is going on
0: yeah and uh they meet this guy i think his name's angel in the movie at this like best buy kind of store
1: wants yeah, best Buy. yeah
0: <laughs> wants to like set up the cameras and stuff for them and he's like well what are you guys trying to find and he's like you guys are pointing the cameras up at the sky like are you trying to what are you what are you what are you looking at what are you trying to capture up here like why aren't you like pointing at the ground so he's just like really really curious and They think there might be actually something up in the sky and they notice like one of the clouds above a certain like of the valley that's um, by their horse ranch, like uh, just miles below the horse ranch. This cloud hasn't moved in days, weeks. And he's like, I've actually I don't know if I've seen that cloud move in six months and I just haven't realized it. But now that I've been looking at it and seeing it that cloud hasn't moved in, like, six months, like, and the horse has been acting really weird, and we keep hearing these weird noises at night, and sometimes you hear these, like, almost, like, muffled scream kind of sounds. Yeah. And you're like, what is that? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's interesting. They start putting up all the cameras and stuff, and then Angel's, like, wanting to say, like, hey, I can, uh, I can be an extra pair of eyes watching the cameras for you at all times. And they're like, no. <laughs> but he does it anyway. He's spying on them.
1: Yeah, they end up getting him to help anyway, since he is. But uh, they end up uh, going t- back to that carnival and they steal this like horse statue that has a flag string <laughs> on it to kind of see what's going on. And they end up seeing this ship like thing that they're not sure it happens mm-hmm. so fast, but picks up this statue and ends up spitting it back out like the flag and stuff.
0: Yeah, which we get this funny interaction with Stevie's character was like, hey. Where did you get that horse, The decoy horse you got there? I'm, I, I'm missing one. Oh, really? That sucks. <laughs> it's a really, really like funny reaction. Like, yep. Well, you guys should come see the show I'm having down on the ridge. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, um, so they end up getting you know Angel to help them. And then they end up convincing uh, Michael Wincott's character, which we see him earlier in the movie operating mm-hmm. a camera at that uh stunt scene. Yeah. And uh it turns out he's one of the the best cameramen. He catches a lot of like uncatchable shots.
0: Yeah, he catches a lot of the, like the most unique like animal shots there are of certain animals mm-hmm. that we don't really get to see and like some of them fighting and stuff like this and he's always looking for the the money shot.
1: Yeah. So he even mentions, you know, he ends up seeing them and he ends up talking about that cloud too that doesn't move with the wind or anything. But we then cut to probably like if if you have any claustrophobia or anything, like the next scenes after that oh get you, but they end up uh at one of the shows that Ricky Jupe is putting on, and uh he unveils this clear box that inside is the horse that he ended up buying from OJ's character. Mm. And he's talking to the audience about how he basically believes that he can tame and control this alien creature that is luring er, uh, around by luring it in with animal sacrifices yeah, and turning it into a tourist attraction.
0: Which, yeah, he makes people pay like lots of money to come see these aliens. And he has his kids all disguised as alien costumes. And like even his, uh, he's got this like old Western style jacket. And I didn't really notice it till like, the second time watching it. But on the back of the jacket, it's, like, this UFO and, like, all these things. And the horse is everywhere. And And I was, like, the light picking up the... I was, like, this (laughs) is so, like, cool. And, like, all the different things in this. And, uh, yeah, we see... I think this is the night where, like, the really horrifying blood over the house thing happens, right?
1: I was going to say, like, all this is where the movie, like... We're basically already getting to the climax of the movie right here. Yeah. So... Uh, During the show, he mentions his old co-star from the incident that happened with the monkey Gordy Mm -hmm. uh, is there and she's kind of deformed. And that's the gal from the trailer. But the alien ship ends up coming out of the clouds and going over and stopping right above the arena there and starts sucking everyone up into it. And this is the claustrophobia part where it turns out this is not an alien ship. It is actually a creature flying around and yeah. the giant alien hole it sucks up to is actually its mouth,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it shows inside it's like digestive tract, and everyone is screaming and slowly getting pushed through and it's very tight quarters. And
0: Oh yeah. This is one of the moments where I say like, it does actually have like some claustrophobic horror kind of stuff. And, um, we get Otis, uh, during this moment, realizing that, uh, when you look at this thing, it comes towards you. So he starts realizing, like, oh, if I'm not looking at it and not paying attention to it, it flies over. And he goes to the house where Kiki Palmer and Angel um, are at. And the house actually, like, squeezes all and like is eating all these people that it just picked up and starts pouring blood and all these, like, change and all this loose stuff down onto the house. And this God's is... getting. It's this is one of the creepiest and like I was like, oh, wow, this is like really like out there. But then this is where you also realize um, that that first scene they showed with the dad, the ship ate someone above them and then dropped all the chains and stuff out of it and shot it down. And that's when it pierced the dad. So the dad was killed probably by the same alien spaceship.
1: Exactly. So this creature basically it eats people and then it, as it goes through that digestive tract, eats the organic material and spits out any non-organic, non-organic stuff and that's all this everything that falls out mm-hmm. uh, and so after that they're like you know what we need to catch footage of this thing now so they bring in you know that camera guy and they have this plan to trap it and i love this plan because they know that it somehow disrupts electrical magnetic fields. Mm-hmm. And so they take a lot of those, uh, like inflatable arm flailing tube men from car lots and whatnot, <laughs> yeah. they place them throughout the whole field because as the creature flies above them, they will turn off and float down and then they'll turn back on and float up as they're back in the work.
0: This is one of the small details. That I really appreciated with this because a lot of times in these movies, they'll, Like, we wonder where they got all these things and stuff like that. It shows the locations where they steal all these items, but then it also shows how they get the power to power all these. Because that angel guy who works at the store is really good with electronics. He actually. All the people that were killed at Juniper's place, all their cars were still there. So they go into the crime scene and steal all these batteries out of these cars and hook all these batteries up individually on this grid system to all these inflatable armmen. men. And I really loved that all that attention to detail of all the explanations that we get for all the human sides of everything. Like He explains everything the humans do to every single detail, but we don't get a lot of the details and questions answered about the creature itself.
1: Yeah, so... We, You know, we then get to the point to where they're trying to lure this thing out so they can get good footage and they have a good idea at first. And while they're trying to do that, a reporter on a motorcycle shows up and he's wearing a Chrome Dome motorcycle helmet and trying to get footage and stuff. And he ends up looking directly at the creature and getting eaten and sucked up. And uh, he had a it was a battery-powered motorcycle that died, so that's why he couldn't leave or anything.
0: Because he was going, like, 60 miles an hour towards this beast, and then, because it shuts down electrically, it's around it, they even mentioned, like, the director, I was like, what happens when a 65-mile-an-hour electric bike hits an electric field that destroys all power, and then all of a sudden, you just... (laughs) This was one of the moments that's, like, it's horrifying, but it's also comedic, because all of a sudden, you just see the bike go, and you just hear... "Ah!" (laughs) <laughs> and then the guy like <laughs> flailing and falling to the ground. And you're just like, "Oh crap!" <laughs>
1: yeah, like, I mean, like speaking with comedic moments. I think one of my favorite moments comes from OJ, the main character, where he's in his van at night, and this is when the creature is flying over to the house before it mm-hmm. drops the blood and he steps out of the car looks up and he sees what it's doing and he looks back down gets back in the car just goes nope nope
0: Nope was said a lot in this movie by a lot of characters and i loved that because that's exactly what i do every time i'm watching horror movies i'm like nope nope this is a nope situation i've getting my (laughs) ass out of this situation but yeah we have the uh, directors using this analog camera that he actually has it's not electrical powered at all they're still using all the other cameras that way if they're not in a electric zone they can still try to capture everything but they're using the he has this crank camera that he's using and he he gets a pretty good shot of this but this director doesn't think that shot's good enough and wants to get a shot of it actually like eating him and absorbing him and so he even like goes to sacrifice himself basically to try to get this shot
1: well i'm wondering if he intended on getting himself eaten or not i think so he wanted to get closer to get a shot i'm like i don't know if he was trying to get himself killed because he doesn't get to see his greatest work published. I
0: I think it was more about him getting that insanely impossible shot. And the only way to get that shot would be to sacrifice himself. And he'd be the Mm -hmm. only one to ever see it or experience it. I I think it was all about, just the me 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 and the very selfishness of it because the shot that they did have would have made all of them all super rich and they all would have been like super viable and they all the plans that Kiki and or Emerald and Otis had in this movie for what they were going to do and try to get on Oprah because of this and blah 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 blah. they were trying to get a lot of money and save the ranch with this money and they would have been able to but he took the selfish route to try to get even better shots and ended up sacrificing himself in the process
1: Mm-hmm. So it's at this point that Emerald is like, no, we really need to get this shot. And she decides to try to lure it to try to actually like get the perfect shot. And um, what ends up happening is every the creature, I guess, probably notices everyone starts looking down away from mm-hmm. it. And so it ends up doing this cool transformation. Like it becomes all like ribbon-like and threads out and be- like almost looks like a parachute or something. I don't know. It's, it's really it, cool. It's very design.
0: reminiscent of a lot of old camera and stuff. The way it even like expands and it goes.
1: Oof. Oof. Yes. Oof. And the reason it kind of opens up like that, what I think anyway, is it's trying to get a reaction from people to get them to look at it, but it ends up chasing, uh, emerald into the carnival because she remembers from the beginning of the movie, there is this well camera that where you put coins into it. You look down this, uh, this cool, like well, Mm -hmm. like a water well. And at the bottom, there's a camera that points straight up into the sky and it takes a picture. You see, get a cool, like well picture. And
0: it's a crank system for it. That one as well. And she does the, uh, Akita slide. When she comes up to this on the the electric bike and she does the Akita slide up into that. Well, and that Akita slide has been shown in a lot of different things. And it's just been called the Akita slide from that. But yeah, most people recognize that.
1: It's this really awesome scene. But what she ends up doing is above the camera is this giant balloon that is shaped like Ricky Jupe in his mm. cowboy outfit. So she ends up releasing that balloon above the well. And it's so big that the creature flies over to get it and eat it because it doesn't know it's not edible. It's never eaten a balloon before.
0: It's a character. It looks like a character, so it has a face and eyes. And when it goes up into the eye, it's staring right at the creature. So the creature is like, oh, there's something staring at me. I got to go attack it.
1: Yeah, so she gets the picture of it right as it flies over the well. And then it eats that balloon. And as it's flying away, the balloon pops inside of it and kills the creature. And it just deflates and falls to the ground. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of places where I was researching into the movie and people thought the way they killed the creature was stupid. They're like, you know, it would never happen like that. But I mean, if you really think about it, the creature probably had never eaten yeah. a balloon or something before or else it would have died it would have known you know well and it so. ate the
0: plastic <laughs> decoy horse earlier just because it had mm-hmm. a face too so if anyone's saying it's it doesn't go after non-organic material it does it goes after anything that's looking at it because yeah. it, it's and it it really does seem like it's a young creature that's like learning this new area it's a new kind of predatory creature That's running this area, experiencing things for the first time, doesn't really know what to do, keeps playing it safe, but always eats anything or goes after anything that looks at it. And they keep that throughout the entire movie. So I
1: agree full heartedly with the way he shot everything and did everything in this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I originally had questions of like, why does it only attack people who look at it? And it probably is like that's its way of knowing that something is alive. Like Mm -hmm. it might think something is alive. It's looking at me. And I also was wondering, like, why did it only change its form at the end of the movie and not earlier in the movie? And, you know, that other thought of, oh, it's trying to get people to look at it by, you know, doing something crazy, you know? Yeah. But yeah, the, the movie basically ends after that. They got the picture. They killed the creature. And, you know, they start trying to get things rebuilt. Life goes on, you know?
0: Yeah. No, it's... it's really really good though with everything that they do in this movie and all of the kind of bad miracle stuff and i even love the shot of like we don't really know exactly what happened to otis and then she's like looking off into the distance and then we see his like the color of like the his like I think he was wearing like, an orange hoodie or something like on a horse silhouette like in the dust behind this like entrance to this park and then all of a sudden like the dust fades and they see each other and they're like yes <laughs> Thank god
1: it's really great um and i mean yeah like i said towards the beginning this movie is very ambiguous and it does leave so many unanswered questions like some questions like how does this creature create a mad magne- or the electromagnetic field? You know, mm-hmm. how does it create the cloud disguise that doesn't move from the wind? You know, you never learn where it's from, which is fine. Um, I, I, or like, how does it avoid being seen and not showing up on like radar or something? You I, know, it's a huge object,
0: yeah. I've said this now so many times, and I take this quote from our one of our first movies we ever did, but. I love it so much at the end of Spontaneous she says it's just the cosmic bullshit of the universe and that is my favorite 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 way to ever describe any of these things and oh yeah I I love it because like when talking about like what Jordan Peele was planning with this, like Jordan Peele cites that uh, like uh, 1933's King Kong, Jurassic Park, Close Cannons of the Third Kind, Science, and The Wizard of Oz were influences for this film. He considered these films as an example of addition to spectacle being the major theme of the film so he really was worried about like the future of cinema and he wanted just to create a spectacle style film and a a film all about spectacle and getting those dangerous shots and like what it means to like you said exploit these animals or exploit these Mm -hmm. people or these situations in order to get personal gain and the way that people use these things and try to uh make these things and produce these things that happen by stepping on others or animals or whatever it takes to get to these areas and I, I really love there's a lot to be said with this and there's a lot of like very introspective thoughts and about the film world as a whole in this and there's a lot to take out of it
1: yeah i think this movie definitely warrants at least like two re-watches afterwards it's oh, it's yeah. a really great movie i do have I, like, I understand why they're not in the movie, but a couple questions I had about the movie were, like, one, wherever they're at in the world, they're in, like, what, Texas or something. I'm not sure, but... Uh,
0: it's a California um, valley, I believe.
1: Is it? Yeah. Uh, but I'm wondering, like, why doesn't anyone try shooting at the thing? I mean, there's a bunch of ranchers around. Ranchers have guns, right? Why don't they try shooting at it? But also... I can understand, like, why they probably don't call the police or government before they have proof. Because, like, who's going to believe me and come out here and check it out? But after they have the first even slight weird things happen, why not call the police or government? And if they realize it's that big of a scale of a threat, like, the government would have, like, jets or something to come in and fight this thing. Well, because
0: like, it wasn't a thing <laughs> of them wanting to oppress it or kill it or any of that. It was them wanting to use it to for their own gain of getting notoriety like they're losing their yeah their ranch so if they sell this uh clip of this ufo that no one has and they get this famous director to film it then they're really gonna have everyone in hollywood believe their story because uh, who this director has got such a high reputation that if he comes out with this clip and they got it on his ranch they're all gonna rise from it
1: Oh, yeah, like, I understand trying to, like, save your ranch, and, I mean, they're dealing with the whole theme of the movie, the whole exploitation to make money, but it's just, I'm just curious, like, why not do both? Try to to get that shot, but also get someone involved that can help you fight this thing. I mean, it was very lucky that they were able to get that thing to eat the balloon and basically kill itself.
0: Oh, yeah, no, like, they, they definitely... Walked out of that alive when a lot of places, in a lot of ways, they shouldn't have. But
1: <laughs> I do like how base the movie basically starts and ends with a balloon popping.
0: Yes, that's very <laughs> true. There's so many tiny little details like that that you don't notice because of that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's uh, nope. Uh, final thoughts take a look at it. It's uh. Very interesting movie to watch and definitely worth it. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: this movie pairs very well. Uh, another like double feature addition for this one. I think this movie pairs well. Um, I recently watched the movie Babylon, and I think that this movie is light years better than the movie Babylon, but I think they both approach the way um, we look at film and the way that we exploit certain things in film in a certain way. Babylon is a movie a three hour movie with Margot Robbie and a bunch of other really famous people in it. But it's a movie about how uh, films were made um, when f- like color films were first starting to be a thing and sound and films were first starting to be a thing. And there's a lot of really hidden details in this and a really hidden meaning at this. And it's a lot about exploitation and the a lot of people like rising and falling in fame. And it doesn't matter if you've acted on 100 or 200 different things at the end of your career. A lot of times you just take a lot of whatever roles you can because you're not getting the lead roles in anything anymore. And uh, ends up being surprisingly about the movie singing in the rain. Sounds and kind of it's, it's a very unique and interesting movie, but it has a lot to, a lot of the same things that it says about the film world and how films are made and what people are willing to do for films and what kind of yeah for fame <laughs> and stuff like that. So I think this would be a good pairing with that one. It is a long one and I don't think it's um, that's not a movie that I would buy, but it is, it's a, it's a movie that's worth a watch at the very least. And so I think that'd be a good pairing with this
1: nice so yeah that that was nope
0: yeah and we'll see you next yeah, week for we'll see invisible. you next time
1: it's <laughs> <is woman>. woohoo
0: <laughs> alright bye